Um, if you could turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up and the ushers should come by in just a second to uh, get you guys one of those to look on with us. We, we've been studying through the, the book of Ephesians for a while now and we are in chapter 3 and it's the beginning of a chapter that um, kind of begins about the last chapter, about half, halfway through the last chapter. And so if you can think about two weeks ago, we were in kind of chapter 2, 11 through 22, and we, we talked about this, this working of um, what God was doing in the church and through the church and he, how he was bringing people who were both near or far, um, whether they have been Jewish or, or Gentile for us today, whether we were raised in the church or not raised in the church, and he's, he's, he's reconciling us to him and making a people group. And so this is kind of the section where he goes into it. It seems a, a bit redundant, but, but I think what the Apostle Paul is doing here is, 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 is kind of a bit perplexing because it's one of those sections where you're like, okay, w- now why did we go here again? And how, how, did, we, how did we kind of navigate this? And the, the best way I can, I can think of it is first we kind of need to establish a little bit of groundwork. Have you, um, show of hands, have you ever been a, a new person at a job? Raise your hand if you've ever been a new person at a job. Okay. Now, in that setting, great. So most of us have had a job. The rest of you are um, still professional students. Good job. Uh, Most of us that have worked, we've experienced that moment where we were working kind of, maybe it's the first day or the first week, or or we were were at this job, and we we were trying so hard not to make a mistake. And yet, how many of you have made a, a really obvious mistake in front of your boss? Right? Okay. So, so this is where it gets funny. So you make that mistake, and then you're trying so hard not to make that second mistake, right? And so now all of a sudden you're a little bit more nervous and you're kind of in your own head. And, and now you're, you're so worried about making that second mistake that it's almost like you're setting yourself up to make that mistake. And what ends up happening is, is you, you find yourself lacking confidence in your job. And you, you find yourself lacking confidence. In fact, some of us have been to a spot so much where we lack so much confidence in our job that we are, we are just like on pins and needles or walking on eggshells in every single way. And so you've, you, you, your boss comes around and you, you get on guard or someone says, hey, we need to meet. And you're like, oh, what did I do? And it, we just, you just kind of, you've, you've felt that weight. Now, some of us, maybe not in the job situation, some of us have felt that in an unhealthy way with our parents, right? Where we, where we, we know like if we mess up, we're going we're gonna to do this. In fact, my daughter, um, my oldest daughter, Ava, the other day, it never works out this way, and I was, like, so grateful to God that it happened, but um, she, she's having a conversation. She's like, whoa, I almost dropped something and broke it, and you'd have been so mad, and I'm like, well, wait, Ava, I, I wouldn't have been mad. She's like, well, you get upset. I'm like, well, yeah, because most of the time, it's you not paying attention, and you're throwing something and breaking it, and so that's what I'm more upset about, not that the dish is broken. We have tile floors, so it's like a, you know, a, an arsenal or an army waiting to destroy everything glass that hits it, right? And so, so literally, Four minutes later, Jen asked her to grab a bowl out of the dishwasher, and they were wet because we, needed, we were short bowls, and she went to grab it, and it slipped out of her hand and just shattered, like right there in that moment, and she kind of <gasps> stensed up, and I was like, it's okay, accidents happen, babe, yeah, Whew, parenting win, like I don't know if I would have won had we not just had that conversation five minutes ago, right? But some of you have that even at an unhealthy level with your parents, where you've, you've you like, don't upset them, just get out of the way, and that's, that's, that's a dangerous thing, but you lack confidence in them. Some of you have that in your marriage, or like you're so worried about messing up or, or upsetting the other person that you just, just kind of dodge it, and you, you're walking on eggshells, and this lack of confidence, and it, what happens if, it's, if it plays out in your job, you can get through it. In fact, most of you that were new at a job, you've experienced the newbie behind you, right, <laughs> where you've seen them having the same fears and same concerns. You're like, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. It happens, or if you're the person that's kind of trying to feed into that, well, that's another issue, but, but you... <laughs> You've experienced 
that confidence. You've kind of seen that progression. The problem is, is that if it, if it infiltrates our relationships, we then operate in a different way. And, and the Apostle Paul has spent the, the better part of two chapters defining who we are in Christ, defining this is, this is who we are, this is who we are. And, and, I've, and I've, I've stressed as much as I can, but to our day, there's just no good parallel for the context, the understanding of what it meant for the Gentiles in that day to hear that they are equal to the Jews that their relationship with God was now present because of what Jesus Christ has done. And they aren't less than or more than the Jews, but they are equal. And that is, that is like a mind-blowing statement for them in that day. And today, you and I are like, oh, okay, I mean, we don't understand that. That's cool, great. You know, we're all one in Christ. And I think what the Apostle Paul is doing in this section is actually really, really beautiful. Is he's, he's essentially saying and kind of unfolding it and, and, and going a little bit deeper and unpacking what he had already said in chapter 2, 11 through 22, but giving some context to it for one, one really specific reason, and, and I think it's for confidence. Now hear me on this. Now confidence isn't, isn't an arrogance because we've all seen that person or been that person, unfortunately, at times. But, and and not, a, not a confidence where, where you're just, you got it all figured out, but a confidence meaning whether it works or it doesn't work, I can, I can walk in this because I know who I am. And so I think what the Apostle Paul is doing in this section, just before he goes into this absolutely beautiful prayer for them at the end of chapter 3, and we turn the corner from sitting and, and with the Lord into walking with the Lord, he, 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 he pauses on a moment and says, I really need you guys to get this. I, I really need to get to this. So, so he, he heads into some, some kind of di- like theology, teaching, speaking, and they're understanding what's, what's happening. But I think his main purpose, his main purpose is, is to instill in those believers, those Ephesian believers, some confidence. Now, picture that relationship where you're walking on eggs and shells, or that job where you feel like you can't seem to get it right. Now, what if, what if in that setting, all of a sudden you had infused in you this confidence where what you did or didn't do didn't affect the job, didn't affect the relationship in your marriage, where you didn't have to butter your spouse up so that you could ask to go out. Where you didn't have to, you know, worry about what your parents may think because you said something that, that was different or you disagreed with them. Ma- imagine if in that setting all of a sudden just confidence was instilled on you and you're able to just kind of <sighs> breathe out and realize, man, this is who I am and this is where I'm at. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to do. He's trying to get these Ephesian believers to exhale and say, look, look, it doesn't make sense, and I'm going to try and unpack it for you. <laughs> but, but we need you to move. You need to understand that you've you got to walk in more confidence. In fact, everything that he said in chapter 1, just in the first 14 verses alone, are almost, you can almost see whether or not people believe those things just by the amount of confidence they do or don't have. And so although I use the examples of work and marriage and um, parents, I, I don't necessarily think that this text will, will play out in application that way, but it has more to do with who Christ is in our life. So let's, let's turn there. Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, okay, so for which reason? The reason of what he had just talked about. The biggest thing being that in Jesus Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, I'm going to pause real quickly. 
Paul is imprisoned in Rome right now, and, and, and some believe it's because of the whole argument that happens in, in Acts 20 where they're getting frustrated with him preaching Christ to the Jews, actually, not to the Gentiles, and, and then being in prison there. Timelines can kind of change, but either way, he's in prison for preaching Christ, okay? And, but he doesn't see himself being held by the Roman guards. In fact, what does he say? No, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And, and why? Because he sees, he sees his imprisonment, not because of anything he's doing, but because of what Christ has called him to do. And just, this is just a free side note. But what if we just viewed our life like that? I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm a parent for Jesus Christ. I'm an employee for Jesus Christ. I'm a student for Jesus Christ. Do you, do you see how the shift could happen there? We don't have a lot of time to unpack that, but let's move on. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. So he's, he's making an assumption. I was always told not to do that, but either way, what he's, what he's, he's saying is, is you've, you've heard of me. And we have to understand the Apostle Paul or Saul was very, very well known across the board. Okay, he was well known prior to him destroying Christian believers, early followers of Jesus Christ. But he became even more well known when all of a sudden he started preaching Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is, is well known. And what he's written of brief, briefly could be some of maybe what the letters would happen to Colossae in the Colossians. Or he could be talking about the fact that he has mentioned this briefly in this letter already. In chapter 1 we saw some of this mention. Saying, when you read of this, you can perceive, which is know, you can know for sure, my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given given me by the working of his power. To me, th though, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What was this plan? Chapter 10, or verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Okay, so he goes into this, this long kind of conversation about this mystery. And he's, he's already mentioned the mystery in the beginning part. And he talks about how this, this mystery, to understand what is, what is happening here, this mystery is, has been hidden, has been hidden from most people. Now, if you know your Bible and you spend a little bit of time looking at even the Old Testament, you, you can see that there is not a single book in all the Old Testament that does not point to Jesus Christ, or, but in that setting, the Messiah. And so it's not that the mystery is that the Messiah will come and, and, and make all things new and, and, and bring all things together in him. It's who's included in that is what most of the believers in that day missed is that the Messiah was, was for the Jews. It was for God's chosen people. It was through the covenant of Abraham. And so the promises that were made to him of his people, not necessarily everyone else. And so what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's basically saying, look, in case you're wondering, the mystery that everyone's been talking about, the mystery that I keep mentioning, it's, it's that you are fellow heirs with Jews. The mystery is that 
is that there is not a people group excluded from the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. The mystery is not what you were born into, but what God does through adoption and Jesus Christ. And so this good news, the gospel, the good news that happens in this is, is the fact that we can now say we are, we are co-heirs with Christ. Now, for most of us today, we're like, yay! And I mean, hopefully we're more excited than that, right? But in reality, to, to a Gentile in that day hearing those words, I would not be surprised if many felt tears and sorrow, crying with excitement, because you've got to remember, these were people that were always on the outside. They were always on the outside. And so the Apostle Paul is, although he's talked about being brought near and, and a church happening, and we, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the manifold wisdom of God. So if you want to listen to that, you can go back and hear it. And the idea that we, we are a church and we are created as a church for his glory and for his purposes. I think what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's, he's, he's saying it one more way. He's just spelling it out so clear so they can understand. Here's the mystery. Here you go. People have missed it in the past. They didn't know it, but God has revealed it to me. He revealed it to me on that road to Damascus when I was blinded and, 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 and was on my way to, to crucify and persecute more Jesus followers. He revealed it to me when it was spoken over me saying, you are who I've chosen for the Gentiles. Now, for us again, although this should be a big deal, if this doesn't happen, if the Apostle Paul doesn't do this, I mean, maybe someone else, but if God doesn't ever have the Apostle Paul preach this, today we'd still be arguing whether or not we needed to be Jewish first. And it doesn't make much sense to us because we're like, well, I'm not, I'm not Jewish, or I, I don't have that descent, or I'm, I'm not there. The argument would still be, be made that you have to first be Jew, then you can know Christ. And so this is a big deal for us, us Gentiles here. Like, this is, this is us understanding that we, we can be thankful for the work that God did through the Apostle Paul in preaching peace to everyone because we sit now in this new covenant, this promise of being a people, not because of our bloodline, but because of our being chosen by God. So this promise is really, really beautiful to us. Now, again, what makes the, me believe that this is more about a confidence in the, in the Gentile believers is what we know about Ephesus. Remember, if you can think back a, a couple months, we were at the beginning of, of, of the, the book, we kind of studied through what was going on in Ephesians. And remember, this is a church that, this letter is, is beautifully gracious, but it is, it is a correction to some misinterpretation of understanding what God has, has done through Jesus Christ. It is a reminding of them, look, you, you, you've, you've missed something, and that's the, hence the 35 times in Christ or some form of that. This is what you have in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is what you gain in Christ. This is what you get through Christ. And it was a, it's this long, repetitive prayer and beautiful thing in that setting. And now Paul is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, led to write, I'm about to turn a, a really big corner of what this in Christ means in our day-to-day -day life. But before we do that, I really need you to be confident of your, of your, of your access to God. So because in, in, in this time, before Jesus had shown up, the only person that had access to the throne room of God was a priest on a portion of a day, one year, once a year, on the Day of Atonement. That was it. There was, there was no one that had access. Everyone else was kept outside. And it was dependent upon your bloodline. So they had the priest and the, 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 the male Jews and the, the female Jews, and then you could have the Gentile males and then the Gentiles as a whole. So they were completely removed from the holiness of God. Well, what does the Apostle Paul say at the very end? In whom, so who's the whom? Jesus Christ, our Lord. In whom we have boldness 
and access with confidence through our faith in him. So what do we have? We have, we have uh, boldness. When this word better translates, this, is, this was so interesting to me, this word better translates freedom of speech. This, this, this boldness is that we are free to speak, which again, doesn't make a lot of content, doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but to a Gentile believer, ooh, so much value. So he says you have freedom of speech and then that beautiful word, access. You have access. Everything we know in the Old Testament was in the presence of God, the very first thing that anyone does is, is they're worthy to die, right? That I'm, I'm, woe to me, Isaiah. I'm a man of uncleanly clean lips. I cannot be in your presence. But in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, guess what? We get to stand. Not just stand, but stand with confidence. There's that word. We can stand with confidence before God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the Apostle Paul is, is, is trying to remind these Ephesian believers, listen, listen, guys, you, you, have, you are not a second-class citizen. You are, you are created in this, for this. And, it, and just in case you're wondering, he says eternal purposes. This was the plan all along. This wasn't like God going, uh-oh, man, I didn't think about it when I made that covenant with the Jews. What about these other people? Shoot. You know, it's not like he was up there confused, right? No, this was eternal purposes all along. He had, he had planned this reconciliation, this redemption all along through Jesus Christ. So you can, you can take heart. The mystery has now been revealed to you through me. And so he's, he's trying to instill this confidence in them because, let's be honest, if you don't really have confidence of who you are in Christ, kind of everything else struggles. Think back to chapter one when I challenged you and I asked you if you were holy. Let's just check. Are you holy and blameless? Hands up. A few of you remember. Yeah, you are, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. You are righteous, not because of what you, he hopes you'll do someday, but because of what he has done. And so the Apostle Paul is saying this over and over again, and it's like these Ephesian believers, are, he's, it's, he's, as he's writing it in, in prison in Rome, again, it's house arrest, so it's not some dungeon, right? But he's, as he's writing it in, in Rome, it's almost like he's stopping going, you know what? I'm just worried they're not going to get it. I'm just worried they're not going to get it. And so he does something else that is, to us, they're like, Okay, neat, but to them was ridiculous. He goes on and starts talking about himself. Now, most of us feel like if we start talking about ourselves, we'd be like, well, there's a lot of pride in that person, right? In fact, I would love to know someone today, Danny and I were talking about this last week, someone that could literally say in confidence, like, to me, I am the least of all of them, where we wouldn't go, show off, you know, (laughs) come on, there's your false humility, right? Like, no, the Apostle Paul starts talking about his present circumstances. Why? I think because he's, he's trying to help them understand something that, that, that they would have remembered because Paul was Saul. And Saul was the Pharisee of Pharisees, the Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he tells us that there was, as far as it comes to the letter of the law, he was perfect at it. And now Saul, known to them as Paul, being spoken of as Paul by himself, is being beaten and imprisoned for their sake. See, I think what the Apostle Paul is doing, instead of making himself look like he has false humility, I think he's actually letting him know, like, look, guys, I had it made before this whole Jesus Christ thing came. Like, I had, I had authority under me. I had free reign to do what I wanted with that authority. I was working for God with complete confidence. And then Jesus stepped in. And now, now the Apostle Paul, we know that he's not perfect. We've talked about that. He still struggles. But you know one thing that he never seems, at least that we don't understand. Now, granted, some of these books are written by him, but whatever, you want to go there. We never seem to see him falter on, and I'm sure there are days 
We never see him falter on this mission. He gets beaten nearly to death multiple times. Stone should have been killed in that, but lives. Shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, imprisoned, and he keeps on going with the exact same message. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ here to preach Christ to the Gentiles. See, so for the Gentile believers, for the Ephesians believers in that setting, I feel like they wouldn't have, it would be really easy for them to go, okay, I'm really struggling to believe that we're there because there's these Jewish Christians that still kind of hold this over us and there's still that awkwardness where we say we get along but we really don't and then one bad apple on one side probably lords it over someone else and at that point one time was Peter and, and you know, Paul corrected him but, but either way, like, they, 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 they kind of lord this over and so they're, they're struggling with this confidence but I feel like if I, was a, if I was an Ephesian believer struggling with some backbone in my faith seeing kind of how culture has disseminated in and kind of separated out my understanding who Christ is, I would just, if you could just step out and think just objectively for a second. Wait, Paul's got a point here. Why would he endure all of those things for a lowly Gentile when Paul spent the majority of his life hating those people, justified in his mind by God that they are, a lower, they are, they are less than a dog? They aren't worthy of my table scraps. Then enter in Christ, and he starts attacking that, and then enter Christ in his own life, and all of a sudden it's a 180 turn. And I feel like he's just saying, look, guys, not to shame them or guilt them. That's why he says don't, like that's why he ends it with, like, so I ask you not to lose heart. <laughs> don't lose heart, but I'm just letting you know that what I'm going through should help you understand that the experiences and what I'm going through is not because I think I'm awesome. It's not because I'm some hero to be held up. In fact, I'm the least of these. But so you can know, I wouldn't endure this if I didn't believe wholeheartedly that this was the truth. So, so would you please, believers in Ephesus, would you please be bold? Step into the access you have to God with confidence. Don't shy away. Don't run from that. Yeah, yeah, like you're, you're missing some stuff. That's great. But what I'm going through should be enough for you to know that this is truth. In fact, one of the ways that we can know for us today that this is God's word is how many of our brothers and sisters have refused to denounce it, even to death. Either everyone's dumb or they're confident. I choose to believe that there's confidence in that. And so what is the, the message for us? We don't have Apostle Paul being beaten on our behalf, but we do have brothers and sisters around the world that are. We have brothers and sisters today that are hidden, looking at one page of the Bible and trying to take every single aspect of it in. Why? Because they're confident. Because they take the message they understand, that the confidence they have, they now have access to God. We're singing the great I am before this, right? Hallelujah, we can, we can stand in presence. We can stand before God. Why? Not because of what he hopes we will be someday. Not because we're awesome, but because of what he's done. And so my, my, my charge, and again, this has been the, the promise of all of the first three chapters of, <laughs> of Ephesians, is there's not a lot of application, okay? It's just believe that. That's what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's, he's asking them to understand, look, the mystery is that it's no longer hidden. You have access to the throne room of God. So believers, do you have access to God? 
so you can stand in confidence. Now, I, I believe, and this doesn't play across the board, but I believe that if we actually rest and sit in that confidence, it does something to us. It does something to us. In fact, this is why. You know how I believe that? It's because of the Apostle Paul. What does he call himself? He calls himself a steward of God's grace. Well, here's a question, church. As a follower of Jesus, are you a steward of God's grace? The answer is yes. That means that that you are are an individual that has received, if you've surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've received his grace, and now you are to steward his grace. Now, just think with me a second. Now, I know I'm a pastor, and you guys can be like, oh, that pastor, whatever, and you can place that, but just give me a second. Just, Just imagine for a second if three of your closest friends that know Jesus, and you included, you and three of your closest friends, actually believed that you were a steward of God's grace and lived it like the Apostle Paul did. What effect do you think that would have? Most of us say, oh, yeah, I'm sure some people change. It's great. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just think about it. If you were willing to, to steward God's grace the way that the Apostle Paul does, I can tell you right now what would happen. Your families would see it. Your coworkers would see it. Your classmates would see it. Your children would see it. It would, it would be something that every single person would be known for. If the people around you have no idea of God's grace, this is a question I ask myself. They don't have any idea about God's grace. Then are you, are you stewarding it well? I don't mean like you meet someone. Hi, I'm Brent. I'm a steward of God's grace. Nice to meet you. Thank you. No, like, no. But if we had the confidence that God was who he says he was, and we had the confidence that we could, with free speech, access God with confidence, that would change us. That would change us. And so my, my application this week is that there is no application. It's that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a steward of God's grace. And, and here's the thing. God has given you a mission already, okay? He's, we've already, we've talked about this in Matthew. Don't make me go three years through the book of Matthew again, okay? <laughs> grace commission, you are called to be light and salt in this world, to make disciples. Like that is a, that is a call on every believer. But now here's something that's really cool. I bet, I bet that God has given you a passion for something that falls into that making disciples. Not something that's like a place of it, but he's giving you a passion for it. And he's, he's breathed life into you. And he said, this is what I'm going to do through you for my glory. Now, whatever that passion is, whatever that, that aspect is, or wherever it is, what if you just kind of put on a hat today and said, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk and move like the Apostle Paul did with that. Where it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter how many people tell me that's a dumb idea. It doesn't matter how much opposition I get, whether I can't get it funded. It doesn't matter how this may affect people and what they think of me. I am so confidently planted in who I am in Christ that I'm on mission. And maybe, maybe someday we'll experience what our brothers and sisters have complete opposition to the gospel where our life can actually be threatened. But I I, want to challenge you all in this. I am very confident in this. That if we always say, man, if if someone came to me and they said, denounce Christ or I'm going to break your pinky, you know, we kind of hope. I tried to make it PG for you guys, okay? So, 
we kind of say like, oh, I'll totally, I'll totally say break, break away. But if the most of our life is marked by the very opposite of that, it begs the question of well, would we have that confidence? And see, this confidence coming to the church in Ephesians is at such a beautiful time, right? He, he kind of instills this in them, pushes on them in this, and then he sends Timothy to pastor it and kind of confused and confronts Timothy and does all these other things in there. And, and, and the church of Ephesus seemingly kind of has it figured out for a while. And then they lose their first love. We see that in Revelations 2 from the Apostle John. Right, you, you forgot, you forgot what you guys are doing. So this isn't a false confidence that justifies us removing any action of love. This isn't a confidence that makes us stupid. I'm not talking about the confidence where the guy's like, I think I can jump off that. Like, that's not, the con- that's not confidence, okay? I mean, sometimes it makes a really great video, but it's not confidence. And it's not the confidence that says, well, I'm an arrogant person that can operate on my own and look at me. It's a confidence that has the most peace to know that they are righteous and holy and blameless and not a second-class citizen. And I tell you right now, guys, that infused, that belief sunken into you, it changes your life. It changes the people around you. Because I'm confident, to use that word, that most of us have experienced that time in our life. We've experienced that moment when we just, we just knew God had us where we were and we were thankful for it. Sometimes our confidence, you know when, that, when I'm most confident about what God's done? It's about a year after just the worst time of my life. <laughs> I can look back and be like, wow, he was really present in all of that. So church, as the, as the band comes up and we, we worship some more, I, I, I challenge you to, to worship with boldness, with free speech, uninhibited speech. This, this, is this speech where you're, it's not an eloquence of words, it's, it's, it's the heart crying out to a God who deserves all of it. I challenge you to, to, to maybe picture yourself, maybe do this later alone on your, on your, by yourself, I, I, maybe in a dark room or closet where the kids are locked out and there's no <laughs> disruption, right? right? Where you can, just, you can just sit, maybe get on your knees, maybe get on your face, close your eyes, and picture yourself on the floor in the throne room of God where a legion of, of angels are, are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And it's in that spot, on your face, prostrated before the Lord, where you can actually stand up, not completely worthy at all. But because of what Christ has done, you can say, I can stand here. And with free speech, God, use me. Do with me what you will. God, restore this in me. I'm, no, I'm, I'm done trying to have my own confidence in my own, my own doing. And just stand up. Because you realize that right there would have been like a reason to be stoned before Jesus Christ came. To, to be able to say that we can stand in the presence of God, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done. It's that confidence that, that I think the Apostle Paul is pleading with the church in Ephesus to understand. And, and I get it. The, from just the teaching standpoint, the, the corner he's going to turn, it, it's really hard to walk with the Lord if you don't know how to sit with him. And it's really, really hard to sit with the Lord if you're not confident in what he's done for you and what he's doing in you. So as we sing, would you stand? Would you sit? Would you kneel? Would you maybe find a time this week to, 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 to stand before the Lord and just have a conversation with him? But not, look, don't get me wrong, like Jesus is our friend. We still have 
a duty to be reverential to God. We're in awe. We're still not worthy of this. But the fact that Christ has come and given us a way to stand in confidence and access and boldness, yes, this is a, this is a, a beautiful gift. In fact, in this gift, the unsearchable gifts, the riches of Christ are ours. Everything is ours through this gift. So stand with confidence. And, and just maybe just once or twice this week, when you think it, this is dangerous for some of you guys, I get that, right? Um, when you think it, whether it's a scripture or you're thinking about someone, maybe just once or twice, maybe just act on that. All right, Lord, like, I don't know why this person's on my mind. I'm going to text them, tell them they're on my mind, and then I'm going to pray for them. All right, all right God, I, I feel like you're asking me to do something and that, that's uncomfortable for me. It's, it's, it's money or whatever it may be. It's time. I don't really like it, but I'm, but I'm going to act on it. And, and, and what will happen is you, you'll start to hear his voice clearly. When you stand in confidence with him, it's, it's amazing how much clearer his voice is. It drowns out the lies of our own flesh and the enemy. And we can move more confidently in that because we have access. And here's, here's the, the best part, guys. As much lack of confidence as you've had in the past, as, as much fear that maybe has ruined you because of maybe it's your parents and you've you kind of instilled what happened with your parents on God or maybe you just, you kind of, you failed a lot of jobs or had some bad bosses, whatever. Whatever it is, it's, it's kind of messing with this confidence. Here's the best part. In Christ, we never lose it. In Christ, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, how prodigal you are, you can still stand with confidence in the throne room of God because of what he's done. So I challenge you, I encourage you, be confident as the Apostle Paul does for us. We pray, God, thank you. Thank you for giving a weak and and at times (laughs) pathetic follower of you the confidence to stand with you. God, I, I pray for, for every single person in this room. If they are, uh, maybe it's, it's at the, the very, very root of it. They're not confident you are who you say you are. Maybe they're, they're wrestling with that truth, Lord. I pray that you give them your truth. I pray that you give them your wisdom. I pray that maybe your, your bride could be that manifold wisdom displayed and they would see your power. And Father, for, for the individuals in this room that have been following you for a long time, but... Uh, kind of feel like they need to step into that room with their eyes down and, and shamefully hung head because of the choices they've made, God, would you, would you stand them up? Would you lift their head up? Remind them that, they don't, that you don't see them. You see Jesus Christ as our advocate. And God, for the, maybe they, that individual, maybe you would bring them to a spot of knees of repentance where they could repent and then know that they can stand whole before you because your grace is sufficient for them, Lord. And God, as we get ready to, to move into um, what it looks like walking with you. God, may we never lose sight of sitting with you. In fact, Father, forgive us for, for not spending more time sitting with you. We thank you for uh, your truth. We thank you for giving us even the ability to have a desire to see and know you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.